Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. As you sit down, I want to invite you to turn on your Bibles or open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Just one verse today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And before I introduce a friend of mine, we're going to dialogue a little bit. Let's look at this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul is writing, sometimes I call 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Californians. Because uh, Corinth was very similar to the culture of California, the Bay Area culture in many ways. And Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he keeps bringing them back to their core identity. What we're doing here is reorienting ourselves to Jesus. And he says, if you are in Christ, and by the way, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, used that term in Christ 164 times. The Corinthian culture was uh, like a tsunami against the church to deceive them to think you are in Corinth. And there's a lot of pride about being in Corinth. But Paul says, no, 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 again and again and again. He says, don't be deceived by the glamour of Corinth. You are in what? Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We talked about this two weeks ago. There's two words for new in the New Testament. The New Testament wasn't written in English. It was written in a a Greek language. And one word for new, neos, means new in time. There's something that just came on the market that's uh, newer than what came before. But then there's new that's used here, new in kind, like never before seen new. Uh, Think of what Airbnb was to the hotel industry when it came on the market. No one ever had a concept for Airbnb. It was a new kind of hotel experience. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is Corinth's greatest need is not more architecture. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not more whatever. The greatest need of Corinth are followers of Jesus living out their new identity of being new. There's a new humanity that is on the planet in Christ. That when Jesus, you give your life to him, his spirit inhabits you and a new operating system comes within you. You are completely forgiven for past, present, and all future sin and freed up to live new to the glory of God and for the good of humanity. And so 164 times, Paul says, this is your identity. And I want to say to us here, those online, whatever city you're in, the greatest need for our community is not more religion. The greatest need in our city are men and women, the church, living out a brand new narrative for the difference that Jesus makes, being that new humanity. And that leads us, well, Monday through Friday, not just Sunday, that leads us to today's interview. I want to introduce a friend of mine. His name is Pat, um, Pat Gelsinger. And you can Google his name. It happens to be in the news a lot lately uh, because in January, Pat took over the CEO 
uh, role at Intel, a small company down the road in Santa Clara. Um, but what you don't know or may not know about Pat, what Google does tell you, but what I want to highlight is Pat is in Christ. Pat's marriage, Linda's here, is in Christ. Pat's the parent of four adult children and the grandparent of eight grandkids and growing. Are, are they done yet, Linda? Is there more coming? I oh, hope not. Okay, they're growing. Um, Pat had a storied career at Intel, served for 30 years, uh, 10 years in the Bay Area. He actually came to Christ here in the Bay Area. And then the late 80s, moved up to Oregon, uh, then moved to Boston, and then got a call to lead a company called VMware. That brought them back to the Bay Area in 2012, and then last year took over uh, as the CEO of Intel. But what we want you leaving with in hearing the story is Pat's in Christ. And how does that integrate uh, his faith in Christ Monday through Saturday? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ and be a scientist at the same time? Do you throw your brain out to follow Christ? We're going to get into all of that right now. So would you please give a PCC welcome to Pat Gelsinger. There you go. Pat, I'd hug you, but then I'll just get emails. Okay, so uh, okay. consider we're yourself good. hugged. <laughs> there we go. Great. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's my joy. And good morning, PCC. What a great place to worship together. Thank you. Amen. Hey, bring us into the spiritual narrative of your biography. Tell us how Jesus invaded your life. You're not in Christ because you're good. You're in Christ because you're forgiven. Amen. Tell us about that. Amen. Well, you know, I always uh, thought I was a Christian. I was baptized when I was six days old with full knowledge of what I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, youth group and uh, uh, went through catechism. And uh, there was two good reasons to go to church right? Not get in trouble with dad and to meet girls and impress their moms and grandmothers. Okay. Nice. And uh, so I came uh, to California at 18, the ripe old age of 18. And what did I do the first Sunday? Went to church church to meet girls and impress their mothers and grandmothers. (laughs) And uh, the girl happened to be Linda. And uh, so that's where we met uh, in church. Uh, But then a couple of months later, the, uh, you know, the sermon was Revelation 3.20. I know your deeds, 315 and 16. I know your deeds, they are neither hot nor cold. I wish they were one or the other. But since they're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I'm going to spit you, vomit you out of my mouth. And I was convicted at that point that I had been living that lukewarm life, you know, showing up looking good on Sunday and living in depravity the other six and a half days. There's almost a duplicity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I made that decision February of 1980 over in Santa Clara Christian Church, just off of Bowers Avenue, that I was going to be hot for Christ. And that began my journey of living in Christ, as you started in your comments, Gary. So, Pat, that's 20 years ago. I'm sorry. Maybe it's a little longer than 20 years ago. <laughs> 1980. So we'll okay. check your math. Okay. Obviously, preaching in math is a little bit weak, but anyway. <laughs> You're the scientist. I'm the theologian. So, um, But what has kept you hot? Because many of us make decisions in our teenage years. Like, What has kept your heart sensitive to the things of God and pursuing Christ? Well, you know, a lot of a- aspects of that, Gary. But, you know, there's, there's no surprise, right, in the sense that you show up in the Word. Right? You're regularly in the Word. You're regularly in prayer. I pray and fast on Thursdays. Uh, in accountable relationships uh, with others uh, in Christ, uh, that they're holding you accountable. People on the journey with you. Showing up in worship. 
uh, like this, you know, honoring the things of God. Also, clearly through our family uh, as well. Uh, Linda's guiding me and encouraged me on that journey uh, as well. Teaching, you know, putting yourself in the role where, hey, you know, like today, I got to go back and study some of the scriptures again and be in that. All of those things keeping you hot on the journey because so many other distractions would be coming along to deter you from that, but committing to stay hot in Christ. So good. And his grace has met you in that, right? Amen. Amen. Along the way. And, you know, in so many, you know, in so many ways, I'll just say, you know, he keeps showing up. His mercies are new every morning if you're looking for it. Yeah. So when we talk about 2 Corinthians 5 and the Corinthian culture, which was just big and large in this little house church of Corinth, uh, who seemed outnumbered, I think of your role in the marketplace. How do you integrate who you are on a Sunday in this gathering with who you are Monday through Saturday? Talk about that integration a little bit. So, you know, February of 1980, I came to Christ. I was baptized in him. And a couple of months later, I just, you know, when I was loving what I was doing, you know, this computer stuff, I was good at it. You know, architectures. I mean, you know, I'm a geek. I loved it. And a few months later, I felt called to be a full-time minister. And I started arguing with God. I said, you know, I don't want to be Gary Gadini, anything but that. Right? Can I get an amen on that? No, that was a dummy test. You weren't supposed to say amen. You know, so I started arguing with God. I don't want to be a minister. You know, I love this technology stuff. So I argued with God for several months. And, you know, I'm a young Christian at this point, not quite knowing what was going on in my heart, my mind, and my soul. So a few months later, right after I read the story of Gideon, you know, he laid a fleece before God. So I decided to lay a fleece before God, right, just like Gideon did. And as soon as I laid the fleece before God, should I go full-time in the ministry or should I stay in the workplace? The answer came back, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And he just made clear to me that the workplace was my ministry. ministry. So I'd ask you this morning, how many of you are Christians? Okay, how many of you are full-time ministers? Okay, let's try that again. How many of you are Christians? How many of you are full-time ministers? If you have called the name of Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are called to full-time ministries. A few as vocational ministry. All of us as full-time ministers in the Lord Christ. And that's always been you know, my life mantra, my life verse yeah. since then, that I will be a full-time minister in the workplace. And that's what he's called me to and called all of you to. In the workplace, in the marketplace, in the home place, in the school place, you are called to full-time ministry. So can you flesh that out a little bit? What does that look like, full-time ministry in the workplace? And speak especially to uh, maybe the younger people that may not be the CEO and have the corner (laughs) office. What does that look like to see their workplace as ministry? Well, you know, a lot of it ends up, you know, when you show up at the job tomorrow, are you supposed to be a minister? Are you supposed to get the job done? And the answer is, get your job done, right. right? You know, the highest way to honor God in the workplace is to be a great employee. You know, that is your thing to do. But then along the way, you know, be that sweet aroma of Christ every opportunity that you get. Go to the personal, you know, when you have a personal conversation with people, you know, be ready to get engaged and know. And then use phrases like, may I pray for you? Right, you know, and it's just so disarming. I've said that to thousands of people, many of them as atheists and agnostics over the year, and nobody has said, "No, you may not pray for me." 
right? Even that they don't, they don't, they don't even claim there's a Christ in a point of need, they'll go to that level. And also demonstrating the highest of integrity, you know, being aggressive in diversity, right? Uh, in, uh, you know, the uh, communication and just saying, boy, oh, you're a Hindu. You're, you know, I had a Baha'i this uh, week. I had, oh, tell me about it, you know, get to know more. And, you know, the more curious you are about other faiths, the more you get to talk about your own faith as well. That sounds very Jesus-like, like being other-centered as opposed to fixated on yourself. And I would just say that's part of the new creation, the new humanity that is needed on the peninsula. You're living that out. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about science. Uh, as someone who um, you know has an incredible mind, as a geek, using your language, um, how do you balance being a man of faith or hold intention and being a man of science? Because I, you know, we have placards all over the city that says science is real in front of houses. Implied in that is you can't be a man of faith and be a man of science. Speak to that. <laughs> well, you know, remember, Gary, we, uh, and I think you were there at the yep, Stanford I Business was. Breakfast that I had. I, we had this uh, breakfast, and it was a leadership breakfast. Nothing to do with my faith. And, you know, I don't even think I made one faith statement in my entire talk. But at the end of the talk is Q&A. And that's what I love the most. You get into Q&A, and you're finding out where people really are. Are they with you? And, you know, we get almost to the end of the Q&A, and this uh, one uh, employee at Stanford raises his hands and with a bit of vitriol in his voice, right, how can you be a Christian and be a scientist, an engineer, a technologist? And I was pretty taken back. <laughs> you remember the time? I was like, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was a surprising question. It was so out of context uh, at the time. And, you know, the, the answer to that question is so profound, Gary. And I'll just say, you know, four things that I'd say as Christians, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed to be Christians. You know, the first one is, and one, one uh, historian, you know, their analysis said that the top 52 scientists of all time, Kepler, Newton, Pascal, et cetera, et cetera, 50 of them were Christians. Today, what's the highest recognition of science achievement today? Maybe the Nobel, Nobel. Prize. Right. 65% of Nobel Prize winners are Christians. If you add to that people of Jewish faith, it's over 80%, and of all faiths, it's almost 90%. In fact, if you want to become a Nobel Prize winning, first become a Christian. The stats are on your side, right? You know, Christians love science, and science loves Christians. You know, second, higher education. We don't run from higher education as Christians. We run to it. In fact, we've been enabling, creating, you know, since the dark ages, we've been helping to bring knowledge, to bring learning, right? Martin Luther, the Bible was breaking the dark right. ages, right, through it. Almost every major university today is of Christian heritage. Oxford, Stanford, Cambridge, you know, uh, Yale, etc. You know, Christians don't run from education. In fact, we are creating education and higher learning. Third, healthcare. Almost, you know, for 2,000 years, Christians have said, I'm going to care for the needy. That has led for passion for medical research, for hospitals to be founded, for care for the elderly. Almost every healthcare institution on the planet today is of Christian origin, right? And, right, uh, you know, social justice. Right, we go today. Almost every social justice movement finds their foundation in Christian truth. Right, almost everyone. You go back, Mar uh, Wilberforce, yep. uh, Abraham uh, Lincoln, Martin Luther King, over and over again. Social justice found in Christian truth. So, if you care about science, 
higher education, health care, or social justice, not only are we not ashamed to be Christians, I'm proud to be a Christian because of all the great things we've seen over and over throughout history. And so can you. Not ashamed of the gospel right. by any means. So that orientation towards God actually drives you scientifically. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You see the wonder of creation over how does that work? Yeah. And the curiosity. Because and throughout scripture, right? You know, the truth, right, will be made free through Christ. Yeah. So God has always used, I'm going to pivot for a minute, uh, technological breakthroughs in history to advance the gospel. And you're on the forefront of technology. How do you see God using technology in this day and seeing the gospel advance? Well, how many of you have heard this thing called COVID? Any of you, you hear about that, right? You know, we were all locked up in this little building, right? And all of a sudden, our church became anybody online. Yeah. Today, 60% of humanity is online. By 2030, 90% of every human on the planet will have a persistent connection to the internet. Do you think we're going to reach them by asking them to come in here? Not everybody. No, we're going to reach yeah. them by you know the putting the gospel out there and being able to touch every human on the planet, right? And we've seen over and over throughout history that the greatest things, you know, what happened? In the Roman road system was built for military purposes. God said to the disciples, "Get out of Jerusalem, go." into all the world and he needed a little persecution to motivate him we needed a little pandemic to motivate us and i believe every aspect of science can be used to further the gospel and one of my mottos is technology as a force for good right that i will see this opportunity to be a leader in technology and every day shaping it as a more powerful force for good. And by the way, that question wasn't in our pre No, 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 no. I'm just okay. seeing if, you know. Yeah, okay. You still got it. <laughs> okay, so um, you run a company with 110,000 employees. Mm -hmm. uh, you are married out of your league. Uh, you have four adult kids, uh, eight grandkids. You have a lot on your plate. And you wrote a great book uh, that I would highly recommend. It's called The Juggling Act. But how do you keep Christ at the center? Like we talked about being in Christ before we're in Intel or in anything else. How do you ground yourself in Christ? Well, as I have 110,000 souls I'm responsible for. The prayer that I gave the day that I took the job was the prayer of Solomon. Right? I don't know how to lead these people. Give me the wisdom, Lord to lead and lead well. And every day remembering that every one of our roles, we are here by God's sovereign authority. I have 110,000 souls, 110,000 families, communities that they participate in. Lord, be on the throne each day that I may lead well. But also, you know, it's a busy job, right? You know, you have to build boundaries into your life as, as well. And, you know, my wife, uh, you know, she's wonderful, mild-mannered, but she reminds me pretty regularly when I step out of bounds uh, uh, as well. And also accountability with our kids uh, as well. They remind me. Uh, my prayer partners, and you're one of those, uh, my uh, manna from Gary that I get mm -hmm. uh, regularly, uh, praying and fasting uh, regularly, others that are, you know, shaping you into diamonds regularly putting those boundaries on your life to stay true to the gospel as you're wandering that journey of life that he has you on. And, you know, it's not easy. 
you know, but it is the path that he has given us as people in the workplace to continue to put him on the throne every day, live according to godly priorities, God, family, work. And we almost always want to live work, family, God. Yeah. So putting the boundaries, putting that focus on Christ, and then having people around you that are shaping you into being the creation that God has made you to be. So you are living in community, and that's key, right, to living in Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. This is not a journey that he's asked us to do by ourselves. Yeah. And the more accountable, the more open you are about that, the more people say, hey, Pat, I thought that, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, that's right. I had a lousy week, right? You know, they're helping you bring you back to accountability yeah. to your own public commitments. That's right. Okay, let's talk about uh, your salary as public knowledge. Uh, and the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. Uh, yet you and Linda have stewarded or endeavored to steward what God has entrusted to you. Can you talk about that and how you have kept yourself yourselves in Christ in light of what God's entrusted to you? You know, when I first came to California and I saw what my salary was, you know, I'm a farm boy from Pennsylvania getting paid nothing, yeah. right? And I thought I was getting a lot of money. Then I came to California and I realized that wasn't a lot of money, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Linda and I, we were at a uh, weekend uh, speaking, and the uh, guy that was speaking, Wayne Bigelow, he challenged us to do what he and his wife had done early, to give an increasing percentage of their gross income to the Lord's work every year. So we began in our marriage very early on that that would start at 10%, a tithe, and then 11 and 12, and that was almost 40 years ago. So 10 plus 40, right? You can do the math. Yeah. And so that 10% was not much of not much, yeah. right? And now 50% uh, of a whole lot. And uh, so we're very committed to philanthropic purposes and uh, giving more and more. And we have about 10 ministries that we're all in with. And when I say all in, it's time, talent, and treasure. Right, the commitment, Linda's on the board of one of them. Uh, now, uh, Missions of Hope International, over 20,000 kids are in the schools that we've been associated with forever. And uh, the uh, work that we're doing uh, for Stadia, for church planting, you know, 500 church plants this uh, year that we're involved in, just being all in to those things and saying, hey, I am really excited about what I do at Intel. I am more excited about what I do through our philanthropies and we're just out there saying that is who we are and that's what we're going to do and using the platform and every talent treasure and capability God has given us for his purposes so speak to the person uh, that lives on a budget and maybe this generosity thing is new to them uh, and they think oh my goodness 10% or any percent what would you say to anybody watching online or living here on the peninsula about the value of generosity and putting the Lord first, being in Christ with your finances. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you, right? Our commitment in Christ needs to come first. It needs to be public. It needs to be absolutely visible through those things. And if you can only start with a percent, start with a percent. And he'll honor 1%. And then it'll be 2%. And after a while, <laughs> you know, the generosity brings you such joy to see the impact that you're having on there. And it will no longer seem like a burden. And God will be honoring you through it, not just the joy that you get, you know, but the blessings that you get through uh, it as well. Honor him first. Then he can honor you through every aspect of your life. Yeah. And, and I would just say to all of us, God's goal for all of us is human flourishing and abundant life. 
God didn't create you in him and want you to be in him to strap you or to diminish you. His plan is to give you a full life. And that may not mean getting the corner office at Intel. It means an abundant life relationally, spiritually, emotionally, and most importantly for eternity. You know that the worst thing that life can throw at you is not the final thing. That Jesus conquered the grave and that hope carries you through any challenge in life. Well, any closing words for your church community or for us? <laughs> well, maybe we could touch a little bit on TBC okay. for a moment, Gary. Okay. Um, you know, when uh, uh, we were in the Bay Area, Linda and I met. Uh, we had all four of our kids here. Yeah. You know, moved up to Oregon. Uh, and then we moved to Boston. And, you know, the idea of coming back to the Bay Area wasn't particularly appealing to Linda. And uh, let's say, you know, it was sort of dragging her back to the Bay Area. Um, and I'm taking on this job of being CEO of uh, VMware. And uh, God took care of Linda and blessed her. Right? One, two, three kids. And now all eight of our grandchildren are in the Bay Area. She is one happy Grammy, mm. right? You know, to have their kids around here. I could go anywhere. She's staying right here right? <laughs> in the Bay. But God also said, being CEO of VMware, you know, that isn't what I'm calling you to the Bay Area for. I have a higher purpose. Mm. And out of that became what today is TBC. You know, that we would... And TBC is what? for people? Who don't yeah, know. transforming the Bay with Christ. Okay. Right? And with that, that we said that we're going to unify the Christian leadership of the Bay, and that's pastors, that's parachurch leaders, that's business leaders, unify. We're going to amplify works of service to the Bay, mm. and we're going to multiply the churches and the, and the participants in the congregation of the Bay, unify, amplify, and multiply. And coming here as a CEO, hey, you know, the software CEO calls you, right? And now the Intel CEO calls, you know, people show up, right? They may not know why they're there, but hey, you have the power to convene. So we started to convene that group. And out of that grew the TBC that we know and love today because we are bringing unity to the churches of the Bay Area, to the Christian community of the Bay Area, as it may not have ever been in history, right? Yeah. Because his church is a united church. Right. His church wants to impact the communities of this area. The, the, the ground of the Bay Area is hard, but we're finding great fruit, great success as a result. So as Linda was honored with her grandkids in the Bay Area, I've been honored, right, with this leadership role of uh, as CEO, but it's much, much greater than that for kingdom impact as well. And, you know, to me, that's maybe been one of the greatest aspects of this phase of our life. And that's how we met yes. uh, through yes. that as well. And uh, look, you'll even let me hang out with you on stage here as well. This is pretty cool. Yeah. I actually remember in 2012 being called to the corner office of VMware and Pat pitching this idea for TBC uh, and saying, you know, I think we're better together than we are separate churches. And I can attest, Pat, God has used TBC in COVID. God has used TBC for eight years, and there's a growing unity and uh, works of service. Our whole foster care initiative that you heard about last week that's still available uh, comes out of TBC and church planting and other things. So thank you for saying yes to the call. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. So as people leave, any final words? What do you want people leaving with from this conversation? That... You know, first, in Christ, 
you know, they are full-time ministers. And as they go out from this place to realize that the impact that they can have, whether it's through the workplace, through the philanthropies that they're in, or just that next person that they interact with as a business leader, as a school teacher, or as a scientist, you know, not ashamed of the gospel, right? Because it is the truth, right? It is the aspect that will bring meaning to every life that's here and online with us today in Christ. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Can we pray for Pat right now? And then we'll give a thanks. Lord, thank you that you have um, raised up people, and in some ways all of us, but certainly Pat, for such a time as this. And Lord, you know the declaration that's going out today, that if we identify with you, we are to be found in Christ. We are to base our lives in Christ. Before we are in anything else, we are in Christ. And I pray you would flood us, reveal to us what that means in a fresh new way. That tomorrow morning, when the alarm goes off, we would see ourselves in Christ. That at our worst moment, when we blow it, because of the cross, we could be found in Christ. That when you call us to do something this week that's beyond our human ability, it's not about our human ability because we're in Christ. And so, Lord, may that just ring in our minds, a simple two-word phrase, in Christ. And may goodness and mercy follow Pat as he goes through the weeks ahead that he too would be found in Christ. We love you. Thank you. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you please give it up and give a thank you to Pat. Thanks, bro. We got to wrap this up, and actually, this is the most important part of this whole gathering, because we're going to go break and be the church. Like I told you before in Corinth, that declaration, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, was the plea of God's heart that there is a new humanity that Corinth needed, and all of uh, the opposing spiritual forces were lying to the Corinthian believers to make them think that they were in Corinth before they were in Christ. We want you leaving here. The new wineskin of PCC is that we are in Christ. Not just on a Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday. So tomorrow morning, wherever you find yourself, a middle school, a high school, uh, a place of employment, changing a diaper, I want you to face your day tomorrow saying, you know what, in Christ, Gary, in Christ, Marion, in Christ, Lynn, in the doctor's office, in Christ, um, Sean, in Christ, has showed up today. A new type of humanity is on the planet. And may the aroma of Christ spread through you, the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So I'm going to give you a moment, as you think of what is ahead of you this week, What's your biggest challenge to being found in Christ in your mind? God sees you in Christ 100% of the time if you're his. But for you, what are the lies, the tsunami of lies that are flooding your mind 
to deceive you to think that you're something other than in Christ. Think about that for a minute. Don't let anyone, any circumstance lie to you to make you think you're just uh, whatever. No one here, if you're a follower of Christ, is just uh, anything. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. And if you don't know what that means and you go, gosh, I don't know where I am in my relationship with Christ, please go to our website, wearepcc.com forward slash follow Jesus you can find out what we're talking about and the new type of humanity God is committed to turning you into. It starts with just saying yes to Jesus and letting him flood your heart, change you into the person you were created to become in the first place. Now, before you leave, a few things we want you to know about. Aubrey, come on up here, please. Um, want to remind you, we really do want to get into the sanctuary. Maybe, I don't know, I love this, but maybe. Um, but to do so, we need 40 PCCers every Sunday working in production, uh, working in kids' ministry, children's ministry, teenage ministry. We need you. I, we really mean it. So please, we want you to go to wearepcc.com forward slash Sunday. You can see the needs there. Sign up and let's be the church as opposed to go to church. Let's all play a part in this. Amen? All right. Uh, that wasn't very convincing. Amen? <laughs> so this is Aubrey Wilkerson. She has served. Can we give it up for her? Can you just give us one, Bob? Because that's what, uh, online, she became famous for, for this and her announcements. Um, it has been a pleasure to serve with Aubrey for six years. Aubrey is a brand new mom. And about 30 days ago, Aubrey let us know that she is moving into another ministry, right? Disguise as something that God has for you. And we just want to publicly honor you. I uh, want to thank you. Uh, I told her this, but I see Jesus more clearly because of who he is in you. You have persevered and have just been an incredible presence of Jesus on our staff on Sundays leading worship. She never even, is this true? You didn't lead worship before you came to PCC. I, I was a music major, but I was not a worship leader. And I found my confidence here in you, in this congregation. So any closing words for us before we pray for you? I just want to say thank you. This congregation has been incredibly supportive um, in leading worship, in praying over me and my family, in um, us starting a family and having our little guy, Ryder. But um, the more this congregation just is willing to um, let young adults go forward and, and lead you and be a part of this congregation, it's just so empowering. And you did that for me. I showed up here at 25 and um, the choir took me in. Ken Carter took me in. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for all the prayer, all the support that you give to the staff. It, it means everything to the staff um, to be able to serve you and to also receive from you. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's awesome. And would you put a hand forward? We're going to commission Aubrey. We can clap for her. So, Father, we thank you that uh, you have entrusted Aubrey to us, 
Thank you that uh, she came at 25 and now we're giving her back to you. Thank you for blessing her and Luke with new life. Thank you for the way she didn't just tiptoe into your ministry. She gave herself to the ministry of the gospel here on the peninsula. Thank you for your work and for your call on her and Luke uh, here in Redwood City and San Carlos where they live. Thank you for her calling to be a mom and so much more. So we commit her, we give her back to you in this role and pray that your goodness and mercy would surround and follow her all the days of her life. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's stand up and face the cross, everybody. Oh, sorry, I stopped to clap. You can give your appreciation to Aubrey. Look at the cross. We purposely put a cross right in the middle of our gathering. When we say you're in Christ, this is what we're talking about, that symbol. I want you to reflect with me before we say our benediction on what it was like the week after Easter for the disciples in Jerusalem, seeing Jesus come back to life. I wonder what it was like when they walked past Golgotha and saw an empty cross. I wonder if they reflected on Good Friday when they were all scattered, running for their lives, thinking it was over. The world had won. What we gave our life to was a, was a sham. And now the empty cross, the risen Christ, a week later, that symbol reminded them of so much. It reminded them of the love of a Savior to bleed out for them. It reminded them of the power of Jesus, that everything he claimed was true because everything the world had to throw at him, including death, was weak compared to his power. And it reminded them of hope because the worst thing in life isn't the final thing. Jesus is the final thing. If anyone is in Christ, in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We're gonna say our benediction together and bless each other. Now may you jump into the arms of Jesus and may he push you out into the world and may you be healed as you participate in the healing of others. Not because you must, but because you may. This is why we were born. Woo! Have a great week, everyone. Live in Christ. Live in Christ. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC. PCC.